Hello, and you are very welcome to this week's episode of Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. I'm your host, Ashling O'Rourke, and each and every week we talk about environmental issues and we try to do it in a fun and engaging way and sometimes taking uh, maybe a left of centre approach to the various topics that we are bombarded with these days. On tonight's show, we're going to be joined a little bit later on by our resident chef, Yvonne Carty of Hey Pesto, to talk about some talks that she is giving in local libraries around food waste. But first things first, we're going to go and look at some businesses operating here in the Midlands. And I'm joined by two people who are on the shortlist for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. Neil Skeffington, who is the CEO of Novelplast Charanta, and Gerard Killian, who is the MD of The Lunch Bag. You are both very welcome to Let's Go Green. Thank you, Ashley. Now, Gerard, I might start off with you first. Your company, The Lunch Bag, what exactly is it that that does? So we are a school meal delivery service. So basically in Ireland, there are three and a half thousand schools and the only way the majority of children can get lunch is if their parents or guardians make it and send it into school with them. There are 700 DESH schools, so they're government funded to receive lunches, but otherwise parents are left to make school lunches. So we saw as was an opportunity for us to provide a school meal service to these parents and allow children have access to wide and varied school lunches every day without the significant cost food and packaging waste to a parent at home because it's very hard to give a wide and varied diet for your child without a lot of waste. So our and aunt- getting the kid out the front door is a challenge in the uniform with the whole work done, all the things that they might need on a given day. Lunches, the poor relation of all that, can't they? Correct. Multidimensional. You know, children, their diet is so important to them, particularly during the school day. They need to stay focused. They need to keep their attention on us. So we need to make sure that they have, I suppose, the, the best nutrition that they can throughout that school day. That's what we do. So I'll come back to you in a moment, Ger. But um, Neil, I'll go to you. What is it that Novelplast does? So in a nutshell, what we do in Novelplast is we recycle PET plastic. Um, I, I say recycling with a capital R, um, not like our typical recycling in Ireland. Um, so we actually we 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 import most of the plastic that we recycle, but we 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 um, blend them together. We um, we clean them up and we make pellets out of them, and that, and those pellets go back into the plastics um, manufacturing industry in Ireland, UK, and and further afield. So that's us in a nutshell. So when you say they go back into the industry, what might they be used for? You could find our product pretty much anywhere at the moment. If you have wrapped yourself up in bed in a nice done stores duvet, there's there's probably some of our material in there. You're probably lying in some in your mattress. Um, it could end up in the carpets of cars, your food packaging. If you've bought um, meat, red meat in, in food trays in, in some of the big supermarkets, I won't name any, um, but our plastic is is in those at up to 30 or 40%. So really you could find it in, in, a, in a really diverse, um, and it's a diverse array of applications really. So I bought a backpack recently to, you know, house all the kit that one needs when one produces a, a radio show from, you know, 
various locations and it had to contain a laptop and all of that. And one of the labels that came in, I'm not going to mention the brand because that wouldn't be fair because there's plenty of backpack manufacturers out there. But the one of the labels that came with it told me that the bag was made out of 21 plastic bottles. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? So it's the same type of plastic, yes. And that's okay. the kind of thing we're talking about. So that would be textiles. We recycle a lot of textiles uh, in novel plast, and but we, we take it in, in all sorts of forms. We bring in big lumps of it. We recycle um, a lot of materials from plastic bottle recycling plants. Um, we fibers from uh, fiber plants. Um, and we bring it all over the world, really. We, we tend to focus on, on the materials that people don't want to recycle. Um, so, so in effect, we're really upcyclers as opposed to recyclers. But but we do actually, we, we do the full suite here and we get it back into a product that can be reused in, in the plastics industry. So for sure, some of our material could end up in your backpack. Um, and, and yeah, we're, we're, um, we've, we've, sorry, Jesus, I tripped over myself there. <laughs> You're all right. So I need to stop rambling. This, this idea like, you know, we all know we should be recycling plastic and we, we're not good at it in Ireland. We're, we're getting much, much better. But we've known for decades that we should be doing these things and we're seeing... The people more. aren't too bad. Do you know, the people aren't mm. too bad at recycling. It's the powers that be and it's the legacy um, waste legislation that, that really has us in the, in the situation we're in right now. And for someone like you, who's your work, as you're telling us, you're importing plastic. And then I know there'll be people listening going, hold on a second. But the air miles involved. What about the damage, to the environment, and all of that? Um, so, where, did, how did you come up, come across this idea, or you know, how did you even get going? What, what made you think of it? Well, I've I've always worked in the plastics industry. I graduated from Athlone um, a few years ago. I think Jar was in, in Athlone around the same time as I was. I was a lot younger. I was a lot younger. <laughs> obviously, obviously. Um, but I, I studied polymer engineering um, for, for four years. I have a degree in polymer engineering from Atlone. And I've always worked in manufacturing PET. Um, and for the first 11, 12 years of, of my career, I, you never really think about about how to recycle these materials uh, or where they were going to end up. So that's I, I started to think about some of the materials we were generating, a lot of the waste we were generating ourselves, and then came up with this concept to um, to recycle a lot of these plastics and find a way to to get them back into a usable material. So that's led us to where we are today. Um, it's, in terms of importing the materials, it sounds a little bit crazy because of all the plastics we, we have in Ireland, but um, in novel plastic, we don't take care of other people's waste. If people aren't willing to take care of it themselves, and I, I'm not talking about the people like you or I sitting at home, I'm talking about the powers that be looking after plastics uh, in a more sustainable way. We won't look after it for them. So we are we, we we do use some materials from Ireland, um, and we're trying to increase that. We're trying to work with companies um, to try and improve the flow of plastics and to improve the quality. Otherwise, we're just not interested in in taking care of other people's uh, waste. We don't like the waste word, um, the W word we call it here, because really, when when you start calling materials waste, th- there's no value to it. So so rather than a gate fee. We like to pay for our materials because people see more of a value in it. Um, and if we have to import the materials to feed this factory, then then that's what we have to do. We've, we have a, a very big capacity here of 25,000 tons a year. So we're, we're the biggest um, PET recycler um, in Ireland at the moment, second biggest in Ireland and the UK. 
Um, so, so we have we we have an insatiable appetite for uh, for plastics, but we don't want to be sifting through people's rubbish. So, I'm talking to two different entrepreneurs based. Well, I know you're in Meath now, but we'll say that the, across the the middle of Ireland, I know some people from Meath don't consider themselves to be Midlanders, and others do. So, I'm not going to even get into that argument. But from the middle of Ireland, right, who are both looking at um, packaging. Which you know, and you're both being recognised for by EY for for all the work that you do. And we should say that there are a number of other businesses from the Midlands who are also in the running for this award. And the the award ceremony will take place in November. And and best of luck to everybody. But like this problem of plastic waste, and for the lunch bag, I know it's not it's not just food waste you're tackling. Like there is like if you go out and you buy. You know your packet of ham for the sandwiches, and then the, the bread will come in a plastic bag. The 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 lettuce, or the, you know whatever it might be, it'll all come wrapped in plastic. So how do you get around all of that with your service? What's I suppose what's different the way you do it? Your so for us, what we do is we take um, packaging excess packaging out at a macro level. So actually, it's interesting when I go into a classroom and I ask children to put up their hand if they have a packet of ham in their fridge they all invariably put up their hand and sometimes they'll put up two hands and a foot as well. Um, whereas for us to give lunches into that classroom, we only need one packet of ham for that entire classroom and more. So we have an average of 800% of retail packaging from school because um, we we work with our suppliers to make sure there isn't cardboard wrapped around the yogurts and the smoothies come you know in one large box, you know, everything is taking out at a macro level. And that's where we really see the benefit in in reducing packaging waste. Everything we get back is in sustainable packaging. Our app as well will allow people when they're buying their food, they can choose, they get to see what kind of packaging their food comes in, whether it is impossible or recyclable. So some people are very, and I'd say Neil is probably alluding to it there, we find a lot of people very anti-plastic um, when in fact, sometimes, you know, compostable isn't always the right way to go. It depends on, on how people are actually taking care of it afterwards and closing the loop in that chain. So we give all options to parents. But what we do is we take it out at a macro level here and work very hard. So then, sure, who's your market? Are you selling directly to parents or to the schools through the parents? We just go into the school and ask them to allow us to facilitate the service in the school. And then the contracts and everything, kind of all the customer service and the buying and selling after that is between us and the parent. Um, And invariably the child who is the one driving it and wants it. Um, We would also do a lot of all our bags are fully compostable um, on all our sandwich wedges and paper. And on those, we would do a lot of messaging around how to properly recycle or compost or and all about stuff, and we print that information on the bags for children. But it's very much that the parents are our market. Compostable packaging can be um, controversial. We there's a lot of greenwashing that goes on. Let's be honest about it. And most of us, I don't think, are aware of if we if I were to go out now and buy a cup of coffee, with, and then it comes in a cup with a label compostable. I don't know how to correctly dispose of that because I don't have where I live. I don't have access to a compost heap. And I know in the back of my mind that really it has to be done in a particular methodology for it actually to be composted. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? 
So for like heat compostability, like is what we actually need. And there are not enough facilities in the country. Again, Neil, I think will agree with me there. So for us, sometimes we are trying to go into schools and give talks and kind of say, you know, sometimes compostable isn't the best answer. We've better recycling facilities in the country. But actually what we find is our biggest challenge is trying to get that information to the end consumer because they are getting it so hammered. And especially a lot of our children, they look so up to the likes of Greta Thunberg and stuff that they're just like sponges. I've had children tell me that they won't buy stuff in plastic because they won't put anything in the bin because they think it's going to kill a turtle. You know, the education is very, very much missing there about um, where what is required for compostable and what they should actually do with plastic. There's just such an anti-plastic um, movement going on and it needs way more education. We're not big enough and uh, and it's just us on our own is never going to make an impact. We really need a powers that be as well, Neil, to help us out here and to help us get information in properly. I think if you look at the waste, sorry, actually, I think if you look at the waste hierarchy of uh, reduce, reuse, repair, recycle, like composting is, you're contributing to a linear economy there. If you want a truly circular economy, you'd have reusable packaging for everything or recyclable at least. Um, so, so yeah, we. I think we need to get away from this compostable as as a solution. There are some materials where where compostable will be good, but every time you see compostable, there should be three or four asterisks after it to to you know because they're they're all different. They all need different mm-hmm. conditions and different. Um, some of them need different chemicals to uh, to uh, compost properly. So, so yeah, I think we need to move away from that as much as possible. Jerry, you hit the nail on the head there a few moments ago when you mentioned the the children that are driving. The, the service and getting the parents and the schools involved. Like, I'm a millennial. I was in primary school in the 90s. I distinctly remember talking about how bad plastic bags were and how bad smoking is for you. And I remember going home to members of my extended family and being very vocal about how displeased I was at the fact they were smokers and I didn't want them smoking in the car beside me. And it all, you know, and I was probably a pain in the you-know-what as far as those people were concerned. But that kind of out of the mouth of babes thinking, you know, when you get children thinking about what they're using, what they're eating, the variety of vegetables they're getting in a day, at a young age, it's going to set them up in a really positive way for life, I'd hope. Absolutely. So that's our tagline is all about empowered, educated eating. Um, We want children to not just to look at, I suppose, the holistic thing about food. We want them looking after their future self. So we would run free online um, education uh, resources for children to try and get them just more invested about food, about how they should be kind of, um, you know, there's kind of an obsession as well about the perfect looking fruit. And we try and educate them Mm -hmm. about brown spot and a banana. I swear it won't kill you. This is what it means. This is, you know, whatever. And trying to bring them back in touch with kind of where food comes from. So we would also run information about um, you know, carbon footprints. There's another alumni um, from EY that's been a huge help to us uh, in nutritics. And, um, you know, where's the carbon footprint? Where's your food coming from? Seasonality is a huge thing. We, You know, trying to tell and educate children about why you can't have a strawberry in December, where it has to come from and, you know, having seasonal fruit. And sometimes that's a challenge because people want everything now. They see it in their local supermarkets. And they don't understand why we're not giving to them. And we're like, because of sustainability, you know, it is seasonal. We're trying to give you and, and, and let children learn about when things are in season or out of season. So that is a huge, that is definitely a big challenge 
that everyone should be working on. And I think like, you know, there was a time when our countrysides, the roads and byways were covered in plastic bags. And, you know, it's not that long ago. And we've been able to cut down on that. We've made a significant inroad there. So if through conversations that you're having, and I'm sure people like you are having with kids in schools and teachers across the board, you know, just once they get into that habit, once they're once they're given the knowledge, they can they are, they are the revolutionists. They are what was the suffragettes and what was the younger youths in school about smoking. These guys are so invested and they really want to make um, an impact. And I think every generation wants to make an impact and they want to fix what's going on in their society at that time. Um, definitely another thing I suppose is food waste, uh, even more so than packaging. So packaging is the buzzword now, but there's also the huge issues around food waste. You know, in Ireland, there's 1.1 million tons of food waste a year. People are throwing like 60 euro a month in a cost of living crisis. People are on average 60 euro on a household going out yeah. and food waste. I think well, it's, on average, it's it's something between seven, 700 and 1,000 euro a year. Like that's massive. Massive. And the other thing is that by the same token, parents are so hard on each other, I would say, about how they're raising their kid and is my kid getting the very best and it's, there's a lot of kind of um, Instagram parenting going on. But how can you do that without a lot of food waste? Um, so that's where we come in, I suppose. People can have five different meals a day for this or a week, apologies, for the same price as if they go bulk shopping on a Saturday and they give them the same meal every day. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of what we're bringing to the market and without that food waste um, and without that packaging waste. Now, Neil, y- yourself and Jur have both alluded to the, well, the infrastructural, the legislative, the communications problem that we have here in Ireland in that there are companies, yourselves and others, that want to be innovative and leaders in these spaces. But we do seem to be behind when it comes to, you know, allowing you guys do this kind of work. Uh, we are. But um, I, t- I think the, a lot of changes have, have been implemented over the last couple of years with the Greens getting into government. A lot of people mightn't like a lot of their policies, like carbon taxes and all that, but it was a very good circular economy bill that went through uh, the government last year. Some very, very good initiatives in it. Uh, there's a DRS scheme coming up for bottles. Uh, it needs to, DRS should be rolled out to a lot of other items. Uh, new EPR schemes, not just for packaging and for farm uh, plastics, but across the board for, for anything that's that could pollute the environment should be part of an EPR scheme, which should then subsidize recycling or subsidize companies that that actually care about uh, sustainability. Now, the DRS um, scheme, I know we had Minister Ossian Smith here on the program um, about six months ago now. And um, uh, Minister Smith, if you're listening, I was still waiting on that dinner. He promised if it wasn't, if the deposit return scheme wasn't enforced within 12 months, I was going to be brought out for dinner. Actually, Matthew, I, I met him last week at an event in I Dublin. Will, I, I will just use the opportunity to remind him of that. But that's that's the DRS. And the other scheme that you mentioned, what's that? Well, it's, so there's an EPR scheme. So it's an ex- extended producer responsibility scheme. And mm-hmm. there's one been in place for, for packaging for years. It's an archaic system. It just doesn't work. It, it, it um, subsidizes waste collectors just to bail this stuff up and get it out of Ireland. There's no incentive for them to do the right thing, which is to set up re- recycling infrastructure in Ireland. Um, so... 
there's there's a new EPR scheme um, coming up, I think, for fishing gear, which in Novel Plus we did a project to try and recycle fishing gear recently. But um, there's going to be a lot of these EPR schemes, extended producer responsibility schemes coming in over the next couple of years. Um, and we need to set them up right and we need to make sure that we are incentivizing the correct thing, which is either reuse or um, recycling or, or whatever it might be. Um, and not just incentivizing getting it out, out of the country and, and out of sight, out of mind, um, because that's what we have at the moment, unfortunately. Shipping our problems off um, in the past has come to, well, come back to bite us in, in many ways. So so what would make things easier from your perspective, Neil? What what actions do you, would you like to see happen in, in the coming weeks and months? You know, like Ger, education is everything at the moment. Um, like even when I went to college to learn about plastics, you don't learn much about recycling. Um, I'm sure that has changed now. Um, but education is key. We have kids in here. We when we teach some of the plastics, and when they first come in, they all use the same example that Ger used, which is plastics kill turtles. That's what they think. They watch Sky News. They watch BBC News. Whatever it might be, they see a turtle with a piece of plastic hanging around its neck. Whereas you know, when you think about it all the PPE we wore during COVID was all made out of plastic, was all mm. probably made out of some, some form of polypropylene. Like the food packaging, while it's while food packaging is an is is a necessary evil, it is necessary because it improves the shelf life. Um and you know it, it stops food from from uh, from losing its colour and so but we, we do need to get smarter about how we about how we make packaging. We need to uh, invest in in design for recycling initiatives or design for reuse initiatives, uh, and incentivize companies to do that. Because for a company like Jared, say who, who they're, they're doing thirty thousand, forty thousand school meals a day, for them to invest in reusable, traceable packaging, it's a huge amount of money. But like the, the carbon savings there are are huge to do something like that. You know, as opposed to compostable. And um, there's a lot of greenwashing out there. I'm not going to name names, but you see cartons of water all over the place, and it says plant-based on the side of it. But really, what that is, it's it's a carton of water with uh, with paper. There's a layer of aluminium on the inside, and then there's a layer of plastic uh, on the inside of that. And they say less plastic is better, but it's it's not because you're replacing a, a PET bottle, which is fully recyclable, probably has recycled materials in it, and it's been replaced with with something that is not recyclable. Really, they'll tell you it is, but it's not really. Um, so we just need to get smarter at that. We need to call out the BS, uh, if I'm allowed to say that in the radio, am I? Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need we need the powers of be to to help us to do that. And I think there's definitely uh, there's an, a niche market in Ireland in that we're very reliant on the pharmaceutical industry. The the, the medical companies have large factories here. As someone who's type one diabetic, I have to change my insulin pump every week or every couple of days. I have to change my glucose sensor every week. The amount of plastic that I dispose of is mm. shocking, but it's for medical, so it has to be sanitized. It has to be, mm. you know, protected. So we, wrappers. So, you know, there, we were we in a, a position in Ireland. We had a um, project that we did last year um, as part of Circulera. So, Circulera is, is an initiative. It's been funded by the Department of Environment, um, Climate, and Communications, um, and uh, we we did a. Um, a project to recycle lab plastic last year to and we we managed to recycle it we were able to decontaminate it um and we were able to get it back into a pipette that could then be used in labs so there are solutions out there mm. for all this stuff we just need to be smart about it we need to put money into it uh, we need to invest in, in incubators there's so many smart people out there in ireland so many budding entrepreneurs who are coming up with smart ways of doing things but the funding is is not really there in ireland um 
so yeah, we need to get to get better. Like when we were in, in Singapore uh, with with EY, we visited a, a cool incubation hub, um, and they, to, to go into an incubation hub in Ireland, there has to be the there there has to be a commercial aspect to it. You know, you have to, how much money you're going to make your your shareholders, and whereas uh, out there, they, you know, they went in with a problem which was food waste, um, and I think it was rice that they were um, that was was the problem and. Three or four different companies have sprung out of that because they come up with ways of, of extracting the sugars and extracting the proteins. They were making spirits out of it. I think, Jar, was that was that correct? Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's. I think we need to get smarter about about how we do things in Ireland, um, and we have a bright future if that's the case. Well, Neil Skeffington of Novel Plast Charanta and Jar Killian of the Lunchbag. Thank you both for joining us. And uh, Neil and Jer are both up for EY Entrepreneur of the Year. The competition is in, well, the finals will be in November. There's a number of Midland companies representative. And if you want to find out more about that, hop over to the EY website. We will be back here on Let's Go Green after the break. Midlands 183. You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. And of course, just to follow up on that last piece, you want to wish the best of luck to Jer and of course Neil, but also all the Midlands companies that are up for the Entrepreneur of the Year Awards with EY. That award ceremony will take place in November and we do hope that there is a Midlands company successful there. Well, as I mentioned, in the next part of the show, we're going to be talking to Yvonne Carty, our resident chef at this stage here on uh, Let's Go Green. And I thought I'd heard it all when I heard that there was a man, I believe in the UK, who in order to cut down on the cost of his grocery shopping, when he was doing the you know, the self-service checkouts that they have at supermarkets, well, he was going up there and he was taking the skins off the bananas and weighing just the banana, the piece that you eat, and bringing that home as a bit, as as a method, I suppose, of um, cutting down on the cost of the, the fruit. Well, Yvonne Carty has another ingenious way as to how we might be able to use banana skins. Um, I'm not convinced, but we, we'll have a chat and we'll, uh, we'll see what uh, the genius that is Yvonne Carty has come up with a little bit after the break. Midlands 183. You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. And we are joined now by the programme's resident chef, Yvonne Carty of Hey Pesto. You're very welcome back to the show, Yvonne. Thank you very much, Ashley. It's great to be back. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier that I'm going to be talking to you about food waste, but a LinkedIn post that you put up uh, over the last number of days uh, caught my attention. Like any good social media post should. Mm -hmm. Banana skins, what on earth are you doing with them? Well, it's all part of zero waste. So if you buy a banana and you eat the banana, you can actually eat the skins. And this is something now I will put my hand up. I didn't know this till a few weeks ago and I was doing some research Um, they're full of fiber, obviously, um, with anything with the peels, you know, there's a lot of goodness under the skin. So what I did was after researching and trying, if you slice banana skins thinly and you put them in with some spices, I use a mix of chili powder and cumin and smoked paprika, things like that. Leave them for a little while and then you fry them and you add barbecue sauce and you let them simmer for about 20 minutes and you have what is essentially a vegan alternative to pulled pork. 
No. Yes. And in the last week, I think I have converted most of County Leash to pulled to fried banana skins. I'm in absolute shock because I'll be honest, um, it's not that I don't like bananas, but I tend not to buy them because I don't like the smell of banana skins. I, I, I just, I probably don't, I, like everybody else, I'll buy a bunch of them, I'll eat two or three and then they kind of go a bit brown and I don't really like the look of them, and, you know. Um, and like I've, I remember as a teenager when I was, I was very lucky as a teenager and I did a summer in school in Germany and I stayed with German families to improve my German at the time. And a big thing there was um, barbecued bananas with chocolate and Malibu. Now at the time, Malibu before, but yeah, (laughs) at the time I thought it was amazing. Um, because in Ireland I wouldn't have been allowed in Malibu, but I was in Germany at the time. Um, but I I thought it was fantastic. Now the thoughts of it would turn my stomach. So the idea of eating banana skins, like I don't like food waste and all of that. And I'm here to talk about it. But yeah, fair play to you. So by the facial expression there, I, I take it it took a bit of experimenting. Well, if my poor mother's listening, I nearly killed her with chilies the first attempt. <laughs> I did it. Because I used a Korean barbecue sauce, which was very, very spicy. Um, no, I now I would be with you on the bananas. I'm not a big banana fan. And when I tried it, I was going, oh, my God, is this going to be OK? But actually. And this is going to sound funny. It tastes nothing like you think a banana skin is going to taste like. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever tasted a banana skin, but, you know, before. But it it was just when I saw it, I thought, OK, this is worth trying. And I thought because I was doing a week of talks, I thought it'd be novelty value, like you with the social media post, it'll get people's attention. And it certainly did. And like, um, it was great because people were writing to me afterwards for the recipe. And like, this is the thing, like we do need to be, like I think that we like to think of ourselves as a very liberal country and we've made so many advances in recent years and all of that. But, and that's wonderful. But a lot of us in our diets, we can be very conservative and we get into routines of things and maybe get stuck then, like might do the big the big shop at the start of the week and then realize, oh God, that doesn't look great. Maybe I should bin it and I'm not really sure what to do with it by the end of the week. And we might not be as open to doing weird things like you have just educated us on. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm, I'm sure I'd probably set the fire, the house on fire trying to, to fry banana skins. But um, but OK, fair play. So like when it comes to food waste, like how imaginative do we need to be? Do we do we need to take a step back and think, well, do you know what? We, we, we could make a meal out of this if we just thought a bit differently. Yeah, because there's, there's other like potato skins. If you scrub your potato and you're peeling a potato, and if you then um, fry that, though, season those and fry them, you've got your own homemade potato crisps. <laughs> now, I have tried them in the air fryer. They're much nicer in a little shallow bit of oil. Okay. But it's another way, you know, it's things. Um, what else did I do? We did um, think about, yeah, you have to think about things differently. Like if you buy, now what I was trying to get people and what I'm trying to do is rather than buy plastic bag of carrots if you buy the carrots with the uh, leaves on top you can use those in salads or make pesto out of them so and they also stay fresher a lot longer like the ones when you buy the plastic bag you know they're 
they're gone within two or three days. We don't use them. Whereas the, the carrots in its natural state on a stalk lasts much longer. Am I right in thinking that if you did buy the plastic bag of carrots, the first thing you should do is take it out of the plastic bag? Take them out. Yeah. Because like I know a lot of people won't even think like by the time you get home from doing groceries, you're probably wrecked and you want to move on to something else and you just fling it in the fridge. But really yeah. no. take them out of the bag. Take That's the first thing first. The bag. And the same with if you're buying um, lettuce, like I would buy my leaves and stuff in the market on a Saturday and then try and they're normally and they're better if you can buy unwashed. So if you bring them home and wash them, put what I do is put them in um put some kitchen paper in a tub or a container, put them on top of the the kitchen paper and then put more kitchen paper on top. And then they'll actually last the week in your fridge. Okay. Like um try and avoid the bags. The, like the bags of salad are they don't like if you don't open them, they're gone within two days. And once you open them, they're gone anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, and I'd still say that, and I'm a very lazy gardener, but growing your own lettuce couldn't be easier. Yeah. I've even managed that this year. I have it outside the, the door here. I have my herbs and my lettuce going a bomb here at the moment. Well, I got a lovely surprise in the last couple of weeks when a flower pot that I had abandoned on my balcony with a kind of a thinking of, oh yeah, when the weather gets better now, I'll do something with it. All of a sudden, lettuce has started growing in it from last year. Yeah. And I I didn't think that lettuce could come back and it still tastes as good as it did last year. And then, you know, it's um, it's lovely. And it's just, you know, I just cut what I need. I cut it as yeah. I'm about to. And that's the thing. You can cut what you want. You don't have to take the whole head out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have some growing in a flower pot outside here that I got a bloom last week and it's, it's growing quite happily outside. I saw. And again, if you buy... No, 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 go on ahead. The lettuce with the root on them. You know the way sometimes you can buy the lettuce in the shop? You can plant those as well. I'm, I'm doing an experiment with one in the garden at the moment. I bought one to see what it work and it's it's surviving quite nicely. Oh, fantastic. Because they're lovely, actually. If you buy them like that, they do tend to taste quite nice. Yeah, and they last longer as well. Okay, okay. I saw a TikTok video where that I huh? tend to go through um, phases of, on occasion, might have a G&T of an evening. And with that, you have to have a lime because, you know, you can't not. And lemons, I probably do the same thing with where I buy the bag of them. Um, I use one and then kind of forget about them. And then I'm left with the very horrible, very hard lime or soggy lemon and, and all of that. TikTok lately has been telling me that if I store them in a jar of water in the fridge. Well, I don't know about that but I slice them and put them in a bag in my freezer and then I have my slice from my gin and tonic oh see and you don't if you don't have enough ice you get the ice out of the, the slice as well okay yeah yeah I got a phone call from my mum recently who had been out for an afternoon our um god lover the rhubarb I planted is growing very very well um except I'm not there to mind it and so she spent the afternoon cutting it all up into Ziploc bags. Now, I know Ziploc bags, but in fairness to her, she will wash the Ziploc bag and, and reuse them again. So um, fair is fair. And has a rhubarb portioned out in bags in the freezer so that she has enough in a bag for a pie or for a rhubarb jelly, which I am a big fan of, um, you know, as needed and then can cook them yeah. from frozen. And it's, it's dead grunty. I do that with all my apples because I, I just have one apple tree, but it's the most prolific apple tree I think I've ever seen. And every September, 
um, I will pick them and um, stew them and put them in the freezer and then I have them and I put them in um, 300 ml bags because I know that makes an apple cake. Fantastic. So you, so what's the weight again? The 300? Is it 300? Uh, 300 ml or, yeah, 300 ml. Of a, a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Of pure apple chopped up in the freezer. Yep. Well, stewed because it's, it's an apple oh, sorry cake. Yeah, it's a really easy cake. But it's it's like like you need to make your freezer your friend if you're going to reduce food waste as well. Because, you know, you and the biggest thing is before you go shopping, shop your freezer. Because mm. we're all guilty. I mean, I know myself, I have a full freezer and I keep trying to go out to it. I'm trying to live out of it at the moment rather than, you know, yeah. more I'm trying to use what's in it. And it's amazing what you find in the bottom drawer of the freezer that you were absolutely convinced you needed more of. But lo and behold, there's fish or steak or whatever it might be that you forgot you had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So shopping our own fridge freezers and even when in fairness, the cupboards, the cupboards, you know, even yeah. the dried food, you know, I've done it myself. I've come home with bags of rice when I realized I didn't need any rice. There was two bags in the press. So like. There will be people listening to this, Yvonne, and think, oh, this is great. Yvonne's out giving talks about food waste and fabulous. And this all sounds great, but I don't have the time. Like, how much time does this all take? Well, the time is, no, it, it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, the biggest thing is your shopping, to plan your shopping. Because, and then if we, what we're trying to do is get more people to use, even if you're you're preparing a dinner as per normal, to put, it can help if you put your food waste into the food bin rather than into the general waste bin. Okay. Because um, at the moment in Ireland, I think we, we recycle about 160,000 tons of food waste. Mm-hmm. And where the aim is to get that to 550,000 tons per annum. And for every ton, I think it's for every ton of food waste that's recycled, rather than going to landfill, you save um, half a ton of CO2. So it's incredible. So if you think about it, like if you make a little effort to put things in the food waste bin rather than in the direct bin, even if you're not going to use your banana skins or your um, potato peelings or anything like that, but if you if you do put them in the brown bin, it does have an, you're, you are doing something to help the climate change. So every little bit helps. What about people, and I know we had this conversation before we came on here, but what about people who are nervous of the brown bin, who just don't want the smell of it, don't want the hassle of it? Um, who are afraid of rodents? Yes, um, I like. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan of those little things. So I have a brown bin. I've had it here for ten years, I think, since I moved in, and it's a sealed unit. So unless you leave the top open, nothing can get into it. And I've never had any problems with any little things. When I had a home composting bin in a previous house, now I did have. Okay. And I stopped that, but this is collected every two weeks. You know, it's it's a sealed unit. It's the same as your ordinary waste bin, things like that. So that's all you need to do. And if you have a little caddy beside your sink and if you use the um, compostable bags, line it with those, put your waste into that and then just transfer it into the big bin. I'm away at the moment and um, my four-legged composter, otherwise known as Juno the Jack Russell, um, is, is not away with me and it has shocked me how much I'm putting in the bin because I'm yeah. so used to like I I had braces as a teenager so when I had the braces I got out of the habit of eating the crusts on bread and I've never gotten back into that but I've always had a dog so the dog gets the crusts and now I'm putting them straight into the bin and 
like I think it's small things like that instead of putting that into the the general waste bin putting that into yeah. the the good waste bin or the brown bin um or the food waste bin whatever you want to call it like we can make substantial changes and improvements even as a single household yeah and it's only small things and like what I I have the bin here and um, my mum lives nearby and she doesn't have bins but she uses my bin so I've heard now was I got her the caddy and we have it done you know so and see, it's just little things now last week when I was doing the talks um, to be fair to Nisha County Council they gave out uh, caddies to everybody who came along including a roll of compostable bags and a little booklet telling you what you could and couldn't put into it and one thing that I didn't know you could put into it is um, paper towels oh like kitchen kitchen roll. So like if you've used a paper towel to, to wipe something up. Yeah. As long as you haven't put anything chemical on it. Like obviously if you're going to use bleach or something like that on it, you can't. But if you're just wiping up a spill or something, yeah, it can go into the thing, which is it was a re- revelation to me. Never mind the banana skins. I didn't know that you could do that. Yeah, because I would have assumed that I had to go into the waste because it was wet. And But then I suppose you're yeah. putting wet food in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it does make sense when you think about it. Yeah. And these these talks you were doing at uh, Leash County Council had you out traveling the highways and byways. Highways and byways. I saw bits of Leash I never knew existed before. Um, they have a great system in the libraries in Leash. And I presume it's libraries throughout Ireland, but um, they're like community hubs. So everybody came in, and um, I met some amazing people. But the the attendance at all the talks was brilliant. Like, and people were genuinely interested. And like we're giving feedback and seeing what they did. And, you know, it was it was real. Inter- they were real interesting talks. Can we see these talks coming to more locations in the future, perhaps? I'm open to all offers, Ashling. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? If you do try, Yvonne, actually, do you know what? Before I say this, what's the recipe for the, the fried banana skins again? Fried banana skins, um, for about four banana skins, slice them up. And put a teaspoon of cumin, a teaspoon of chili powder. Now, if you don't like it too spicy, cut down on the chili powder. Um, I put in a teaspoon of smoked paprika. And if you do have any nigella seeds, put some of those in. And then you, a bit of oil to mix it. And then fry that. And after about two or three minutes, add in a good dollop of barbecue sauce. And then let it simmer for about 20 minutes. There you have it. I'll be honest, I'm very nervous of it. Perhaps if someone volunteered to cook it for me, I might try it, but I'm not sure. But when you come back, Ashley, <laughs> I'll cook it for you. <laughs> but you know what, listeners, if any of you try it, send me in photos, let me know what you think. Uh, make sure and uh, tag Yvonne Carty of Hey Pesto in any of your social media posts. <laughs> I'm a, I am fascinated, I have to. I have to say. But Yvonne, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show once more. Where can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Um, mostly um, Instagram, I'd say, Hey Pesto, um, same LinkedIn and Facebook. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been lovely having a catch up with you uh, again this evening. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Ashley. We'll be back after the break. Midlands 183. 
You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103 and I'm afraid that's all I have time for on this week's show. As always, my thank you to our guests on the show this evening and again, best of luck to all the Midlands companies that are up for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award in November. Just to remind you that if you are listening to us on Monday evenings on Midlands 103 FM, you can listen whenever you feel like it over on your preferred podcast app Let's Go Green with Ashling O'Rourke is on Spotify, Apple and indeed Google Podcasts please do remember to like, subscribe and share if you're over on Apple you might as well give us a review while you're at it Do you know if you're feeling generous like it would be much appreciated and of course if you would like to feature on the show perhaps there's a project that you're involved in that you'd like to get some airtime so please do get in contact with me directly through midlands103.com if you click on the button there at the top of the screen for on air team you'll find my name Ashling O'Rourke and a little bit about me there but there's a handy button there I know it's a bit of a long way around it but I promise I do read every message that comes in so just click on the on air team Ashling O'Rourke and you can send me a message directly there and um, thank you to everybody who sends them in each and every week they are very much appreciated and do inspire features on the show each week. I hope you have enjoyed our show this evening. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Dusk Chorus, the the poor relation of media coverage when it comes to bird choruses. We will be joined by Neil Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland. So stay tuned. In the meantime, have a great week. Stay safe and we'll be back same time next week here on Let's Go Green on Midlands 103. Midlands 103.